Social assistance programs have become an increasingly prominent strategy to alleviate poverty in Indonesia. In this 2020 Australasian Aid Conference keynote panel, Vivi Yulaswati, Ilan Satriawan and Lena Maliani draw on Indonesia's decades-long experience in developing social assistance programs to review the effectiveness of targeted social protection programs, whether they generate the intended impact on poverty reduction and how randomised evaluation can be used to generate evidence for effective policies. The Australasian Aid Conference is hosted by the Development Policy Centre at the Australian National University in partnership with the Asia Foundation. This eminent panel is chaired by Budi Resusudamo. I'd like to start this session. Um, this session is on Global Lessons from Indonesia's Anti-Poverty Program. Uh, as you know, Indonesia has implemented anti-poverty program for a while. Uh, in the last 10 years was offering social assistance program, which a, which a, a program that has become in, uh, prominent strategically to alleviate poverty in many parts of the world. And so this session we will bring uh, three important persons uh, in the implementation of uh, a social assistance program. Uh, the session is uh, organized by uh, the, Abdullah, the MIT Abdul Latif Jamal Poverty Lab, Southeast Asia, who together with uh, various program of DFAT has been uh, assisting Indonesia in implementing anti-poverty program. So let me introduce you the three speakers first. So the format of this session will be, we will allow each speaker to talk about 20 minutes uh, 15 and 20 minutes, and then at the end we will have uh, Q&A. So if you have any question, please uh, hold until the Q&A session, unless you have uh, need some uh, clarification of their presentation. So uh, our first speaker is Bu Fifi Yulaswati. She is currently the senior advisor to the Indonesian Indonesia's Ministry of National Planning and Development, or BAPANAS, for social welfare and poverty alleviation. Throughout her career in BAPANAS, she has been involved in creation of multiple key national poverty reduction programs, such as the Family of Hope Program, or PKH, Indonesia's Conditional Cash Transfer, which is now one of the Indonesia's biggest social assistance programs, the National Community Empowerment Program, or PNPM, and Pro-Poor Planning and Budgeting, the Empowerment of Indonesian Women for Poverty Reduction Program, National Social Security System, and the Universal Health Coverage. So that is, there are only some of uh, the program she participate and she contribute uh, in uh, developing them. In 2004, uh, Fifi earned her doctorate degree in planning and development from the University of Southern California, Los Angeles. Uh, our second speaker will be uh, Pa Elan Satriawan. Uh, he is the Chief Policy Working Group of Indonesia's National Team for the Acceleration of Poverty Reduction, or TNP2K, a government think tank that was created to promote coordination across ministers, ministries and agencies to improve national poverty reduction programs. Pa Elan uh, leads the policy working group to provide policy advices and recommendation to the vice president and the line ministers member of the national team. Prior to this, he was leading the M 
an e-unit where he led researchers in designing, planning, and implementing different evaluation to generate important policy recommendation. He is also currently a lecturer at the Faculty of Economic Gajah Mada University. Pa Elan earned her, his doctorate degree in 2008 from Michigan State University. Our last speaker will be Ibulina. Uh, Ibulina is the executive director of JPAL Southeast Asia, where she provides strategic oversight to the organization's core engagement of conducting research, policy outreach, and capacity building. Prior to this, Bulina worked at the World Bank Poverty Reduction and PM, PM Support Facility. She holds an MA degree from Southern California University. So they are our speaker today. Um, without further ado, I would like to allow Ibu Fifi to present uh, her presentation. Thank you. Hello, everybody. Uh, very good morning to all of you, Pak uh, Budi. Thank you very much for a nice introduction, and also thank you very much for having me in this important uh, session. It's quite big crowd. Uh, the event is very fantastic. That I could meet many uh, familiar faces uh, back to uh, Indonesia. A long history of poverty reduction effort. Uh, Indonesia has been succeeded to cut the poverty to what we call as now as a single digit poverty. Uh, it's quite a long period uh, since the crisis when we had uh, poverty reduction up until 24% by that time. Uh, it's a quite long journey throughout at least five uh, presidency uh, period. Uh, from what we see here, we could see that uh, there, there was a deceleration of poverty reduction in which the last five years uh, we only cut, on average, only 0.3. If we compare to the very uh, beginning after the crisis, there are many other factors that contributed to the uh, reduction of poverty. One of it, of course, about the growth and also the inflation in which when in the beginning of the crisis, the, the inflation up until 77% at that time. The challenge of the single digit currently is uh, how to really know about the root of the causes and also where they are. This is only an update on the Gini ratio in which uh, show that the Gini ratio is also influenced by the economic uh, dynamics of uh, the country. Uh, the Gini ratio in 2019 already reached to 0 0.38. Uh, the contribution due to mainly from the declining of Gini ratio in rural areas. The poverty itself in rural areas is higher. In September 2019, the last figure showed that it was 12.8 uh, or 12.6%, while in urban uh, is half of it, 6.6%. The high number of poverty in rural areas due to we still have problem in extreme poverty, 63.8 uh, live in rural. Almost 40% head of the household had uh, very low uh, education. The 
percent household without sanitation and uh, many of them actually the head of the household is elderly some other challenges including the vulnerability where they are what i mean here about the many villages actually experience of the uh, disaster during the last three years around 19,000 uh, villages experienced flood in NTT for example in the eastern uh, Nusa Tenggara close by Bali uh, all villages experienced many type of disaster not only flood landslide on earthquake but also many others so um, many of the or at least five poorest provinces experiences what we call it as uh, up and down poverty reduction or the uh, the numbers is quite uh, cancelling out other challenges many of them are in urban due to uh, the one that we call or uh, world bank has just come out the report calling as an aspiring middle class so in this regard many of them already succeed economically so they pass already the poverty condition but in the time of shock could be flood or lost the jobs or uh, having uh, health conditions uh, deteriorating in a quite long period they could easily slip into uh, poverty some milestones uh, many many things that we have uh, since 2005 the significant one well the fuel price hikes twice so twice in a year at that time we as a government had to set up cannot be only as a business as usual uh, intervention so by that time we developed what we call as a social economic census to determine who are by name and by address who are the 40% lowest income group so by that time uh, this is the SBY uh, innovation for creating what we call it as, as a unconditional cash transfer. Uh, by that time, the VP actually learning from the Latin America want to have the CCT, the conditional cash transfer. But, but by that time, we don't have what we call it as a by name, by address database. So since 2005, and then updated in 2008, 2011, and last time 2015. Now Indonesia have what we call as a social registry to accompany the civil registry, the unified database. In 2007, uh, as planned, the UCT transformed into the conditional cash transfer. We also integrate the CDD, the Community Driven Development Program, uh, earlier from the KDP, the Rural Based uh, Empowerment Program, and also the Rural uh, Empowerment integrate into what we call as a CDD uh, or the PNPM, National Community Empowerment Program. In 2014-2015, again, uh, there is a significant cut for fuel subsidy. We actually also integrate the cards as uh, identity for recipient who receive the social assistances and also starting 2014 as the government uh, start to develop what we call as a national social security system in which 
40% of them we secure for their premium for the health insurance. So using the integrated social protection card, we could secure that the 40% lowest income group could have an access not only for education, but also to health and also the welfare. The last milestone by that time is integrating or transferring what we call the CDD to the village fund. So going down directly to the community, giving their or devolving the decentralization uh, ultimate power to the people in the village to decide the use of the funding based on their needs directly. Uh, since then, the size of the village fund is uh, increasing. Lastly, three times then, more than three times then the beginning it was started in 2015. In 2017, we moved for what we call as the digitization of the uh, payment for the social assistance. It's growing now, uh, converging several uh, social assistance. CCT itself has expanded currently up until uh, 10 million uh, since the beginning in 2007 for only about 380,000 households. Last time, I mean last year, we piloted also the digital payment to expand toward other subsidy, including the gas, I mean uh, the LPG and also the electricity. Uh, lastly, we consider also going other uh, subsidy like fertilizer, more complicated uh, scheme. This is back to the 2014 and 15 effort when uh, President Jokowi just uh, uh, started. We have a significant decline in a subsidy reduction from 3.4% to 0.8% uh, of GDP between 2015 to 2019. It's been then allocated to increase the social protection uh, allocation, one of it uh, having a premium uh, payment for health insurance and also scale the some social assistance uh, up uh, quite significantly. So this is the example what we call as a spending better of or reallocate the fuel subsidy in which uh, subsidizing the commodity toward more proper targets, which is the, the poor. Future possible reform is also to improve the complementary and effectiveness of the uh, more program in subsidy, like I mentioned earlier, uh, including LPG and also the uh, fertilizer. This is a big story of uh, transformation from maybe some of you have heard about the rice subsidy. We have we had like 17 years in the implementation. At least around 67 study already about it, telling about that there is there are there was many there were many mistargeted, misvolume, overpriced, poor quality of rice, late distribution. At the end, the poor only got three kilos compared to 15 kilos that they're supposed to get. So many efforts been placed since then, but political decision takes around more than three years 
to really transform the rice subsidy into the food voucher which uh, began in 2017. So in the new scheme, the mechanism, mechanism is actually the government provide by name and by address data to the bank. The bank issued the card, uh, function as an electric voucher, then the bank distributed to the uh, family. Of course, it's along the line with uh, education, how to access the bank, how to use the card, who are the agents, and uh, how was the complaint mechanism uh, provided. So basically, the family, the poor, just go to the local retailer as a bank agent to access not only rice uh, this year, starting also with egg and uh, meat, on some uh, nuts, basically the uh, healthy food. So benefit is that not only we have a better targeting, but also give some more option and control to the recipient, give them better quality of the rice, offer more nutrition, encourage uh, small businesses and the locals, and also provide access to the financial services. This is the bigger context that we, we're gonna want to achieve. Uh, as you may know, many data mention that Indonesia still have problem in stunting and also actually some overweight uh, problems. In one of four Indonesian are also anemic and also still overweight. So how could then the allocation of 21 um, trillion rupiah could have a value, more value? Then besides the reforming of the rice subsidy, the government also <laughs> make an effort to provide communication, education, informing about healthier behavior, eating behavior, and then reforming uh, on the supply side, and also some intervention on the rice market operation and uh, food import policy improvement. And again, data is important uh, including not only about who are the poor but also uh, on the supply side for the agri culture production this is still going on many challenges in the implementations other things that we develop further is how to measure the impact or the effectiveness of the program as well as the uh, improvement in the policy PKH since the very beginning have been equipped by the impact evaluation. So we have up until three series from the baseline in 2010 and then uh, the midline in, sorry, the baseline in 2007 and then the midline in 2010 and then last time uh, Pailan will talk more about it in 2014. Uh, basically, PKH has improved over the time its target that's the basis for the program to be expanded and also the PKH has proven uh, impact on raising the health and education outcomes uh, for its recipient and by that time we also improve the facilitation uh, system the the facilitators. In the last five years, we also developed what we call as a family development session. So this is a uh, monthly mother's recipient meetings. There are four uh, modules. First is about 
be, um, be, become a great par uh, great parents so this parenting education how to ensure that their children keep going to school not to stop and then also about he uh, healthy uh, behavior uh, 101 uh, economic financial uh, management uh, is is really a basic how to start the business and also the child protection uh, there are some more uh, studies. Uh, lastly, is about the uh, done by the Microsafe. Uh, some of the findings is actually in line with the findings, and some are not. So uh, last time when the uh, one of the DG changing the the policy to reduce the conditional, there are some story uh, found out from the from the studies that mention the CCT is not having uh, impact then starting last year we going back again to having more strictly conditionality then it's gonna um, some uh, good impact uh, particularly in reducing poverty and also the inequality so this is the unified database uh, in which currently consists of the 27,000, I mean, million household and also 29 million uh, families. Uh, I don't know if you know about the difference between the household and the family, but uh, more and more social assistance now move forward based on the family. So we are not basic on the household from their the, the the when they prepare the food only but also about the the rights of the family be it can be also access to uh, food to education health and also housing more and more uh, social assistance as well as other programs use this uh, unified uh, database as a basis for better targeting in their programs the government has just finalized the midterm development plan for 2020 2024 uh, we in line some of the programs toward the sdgs as well as the documents of indonesian uh, vision for 2045 that's a 100 years of indonesia so in the RPGM, the midterm development plan, the focus would be more on the human capital uh, development beside improving the, the way we reduce the burden and protecting the poor. Some of the highlight would be on how to ensuring not only the access but also the quality, achievement of the minimum standard for basic services, improve access to basic services, particularly the 40% poorest population and uh, reduction of disparities among groups as well as uh, regions. Uh, in 2020-2024 midterm development plan, there, there is a big pillar on ensuring uh, productivity, uh, be it, um, uh, land ownership, uh, training, coaching and mentoring, uh, adding value, market linkages, and social impact as well as local institutional. So by having this route in 2000 up until 2024 and of, uh, in line with the 2030 agenda, we, we're gonna have a universal social protection by 2030. Not only providing uh, welfare, 
but also in terms of securing the security and job. So along the line with the what we call as a, a development stages, Indonesia has already part of uh, upper middle income country. The focus of poverty reduction in that regard moves from absolute toward more relative and maybe also the subjective of poverty. Meaning, we should focus more not only for the social assistance and protection, but also on productive economy, move forward on the inclusiveness, and in fact, we start to review our poverty measurement. Uh, inevitably, inclusive development has to be part of the broader strategy to address the economic growth, longer-term longer structure, structural poverty, human capital development, and of course, the inequality. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for providing uh, an overview of uh, Indonesia program on poverty alleviation. Our second presenter will be Pa Elan, who will uh, talk on his experience learning from evidence designing effective social protection program. Pa Elan, uh, time is yours. Okay, uh, thank you, Mas Budi. Uh, uh, good morning, everyone. Uh, so, as, as Bufifi said, that uh, the decline of the poverty rate in Indonesia that happened uh, after the Asian financial crisis uh, contributed by many factors. And of course, out of these this many factors, so one of the factors is actually the effectiveness of the anti-poverty programs. So, so what I'm going to focus uh, in the next uh, 20 minutes is uh, actually uh, sharing with you what we've been doing in the last uh, 10 years, working with the uh, key government agency, including BAPNAS, as well as uh, external researchers uh, in generating the evidence and then uh, using the evidence to inform the policy, making it uh, more effective. So uh, this is the outline of my presentation. I'm going to explain a bit about uh, our uh, national team, uh, national team for acceleration of poverty reduction. And then uh, moving to the uh, three experiences that we conduct in the in the last 10 years uh, in generating the evidence and use the evidence to uh, improve the policy. One is on the uh, evidence prior uh, ones of the evidence to to inform actually the establishment of the unified database, the social protection beneficiary database that Ibu Fifi also mentioned. Second is the uh, experience when we try to uh, improve the uh, Indonesia financial uh, assistance uh, for uh, poor students, what we call in Indonesia bantuan uh, siswa miskin, now called uh, under since Jokowi in 2014 uh, program Indonesia Pinta. And then uh, the third uh, case study is uh, the evaluation of the long-term uh, cumulative impact of our CCD program, Program Keluarga Harapan. Something that also, uh, I think, informing the the expansion and then the uh, improvement of the PKH, uh, which is now, I think, considered one of the largest uh, uh, program, the CCD program, not just in Indonesia, but also in the world. And and I will close with the some uh, key takeaways from this, uh, from this experience. 
So a bit about the TNP2K. So this is a high-level uh, forums to promote the coordination uh, across different line ministries. And it's, it is not just the ministries that manage the social protection program, the anti-poverty programs, but even also the ministries that uh, deal with the macro, uh, including their, uh, the, the key actually agency within the, within the uh, national team is uh, BAPNAS, uh, MOF, uh, of course, in addition to Minister of Social Affairs, Ministry of uh, Health, Minister of Education, and so on. There's, there's about 17 uh, members, uh, ministers that, 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 who are members of, of these national teams. And this is uh, why coordination across different line ministries, because we, we believe that uh, poverty is a, is a multi-sectoral problem. So it's, it's, not just the, uh, it's not just a sec one sector problem, uh, that can address this. So we need actually uh, the, the, the policy actually from others, including the fiscal, including the uh, role of local government and so on. But it, it is not just the promotion of the coordination. We believe, we think also that this coordination need to be strengthened by the effective decision making. That's why within this national team, we also uh, built uh, the, the policy think tank, what we call as a policy working group that uh, recruit uh, the professional researchers uh, of talents from private sectors, uh, different uh, relevant uh, expertise uh, from all around Indonesia, mostly, uh, mostly uh, Indonesian, to provide to work actually in generating evidence and then uh, provide, the, uh, provide the advices to these uh, VP and then key, uh, this key government agency member of the NP2K for them to take the decision. Uh, several mandates, uh, early mandates from this team is actually building and running the unified database. Now, I think since, since, since 2010, it's, it's moved to the MOSA, uh, responding to the requirement by the law. Uh, also reforming some major uh, anti-poverty social protection programs. So how do we generate the policy? So uh, we randomized uh, control trial and randomized impact evaluation is one thing that we, we, we see at the first place. Uh, whenever there is an opportunity, whenever there is a chance, whenever there is resources, we, we go with, with this randomized evaluation. And then I think as, as many of us believe that it can properly address the selection problem so it can solve the the uh, it can it can establish the, the causal impact and it's easier actually to convey to the to the government if it's successfully executed because we know also that and we experience ourselves that many of our some of our RCT actually end up not as we expected so uh, but definitely RCT is not the only tools available and that's also in our experience Resources not always available actually for us to do the, the RCT and program itself uh, that the evidence actually requested by the government, they're not necessarily available actually to be randomized. So we look for also other other approach, other methods. And WASA uh, experiments, even qualitative, uh, we, we conduct some qualitative uh, also studies to look like uh, process evaluation and so on. But most of this generating evidence uh, activities were done through collaboration because because our our resources limited so we did it actually by doing the collaboration with the external researcher 
national and international and this is also motivated with our belief doing that this collaboration actually will bridge these uh, the supply and demand of evidence between the external resources and, and the government uh, let me now move to the our first case studies the the evidence how we generate the evidence to build the to unified database this is collaboration uh, among this some key government agencies as well as uh, Indonesian and external uh, researchers and I think the, 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 the main question that we face at the beginning prior the establishment of the unified database, how we identify the beneficiary, how we identify the poor and then the vulnerable and where they are. And this is very challenging because Indonesia, unlike Australia, we don't collect the inform we don't have actually the income data. So I think the closest one is the variables, the information that can proxy income. So we go with that. But still, there is some question that the, whether we question actually whether that that uh, asset questions or uh, physical housing question or socioeconomic characteristic really actually accurate uh, describing the, the the welfare of the poor and, and, and the vulnerable population. So, so around those questions, we try to conduct the studies, uh, collaborating with the. Uh, other researchers uh, uh, doing the pilot and evaluation the uh, evaluated actually those uh, those uh, different methods so this is one of the uh, first study to look at the to, to test actually different methods comparing between the PMT method the proximin uh, proximin test method community based targeting method and hybrid method which is combination between PMT and then and uh, community-based uh, methods. Uh, I'm not going to explain the detail. You can there, there is a reference there. You can you can uh, read uh, yourself actually the the idea, the detail about the randomization. But the study uh, found that proximin test actually had slightly lower targeting error. And among these three, there's also there, there are other also errors in the in the community-based targeting, the hybrid methods. So another findings is actually that the the error in these three in these three methods is actually concentrated around the pro, the, the the poverty threshold, below or, or above slightly below or slightly above the, the poverty poverty threshold. Another finding from this study, community-based targeting led to much higher community satisfaction, and it's better to it better actually to accommodate the the local definition of poverty. So this is uh, the main funding from, from this first study. There is a second study related with, uh, with the second question, whether or not actually the question on the PMT assets, housing characteristics, will distort uh, the, the, the investment behavior of the households. So we, we design uh, four sets of questions, and then in the last updating of the Unified Database in 2015, we randomized this question, uh, uh, working with BPS and sent to different uh, subpopulation that we enumerated, that enumerated by, by BPS. Basically, we concern here that uh, the household will reduce their asset ownership uh, or reduce their value of, the, of their assets in order actually to maintain their eligibility within, within the uh, database and also within the programs. But the studies actually 
found the opposite. So, so poverty targeting question, the P, our, our PMT actually variables question, we don't find that those questions actually introduce the real economic distortion. Uh, so we compare these uh, results from the from randomizing this question with the cells of the TV, the television, uh, in the area that that we ask about the the whether or not they have the household have the the, the television. Uh, we also compare uh, with the administrative uh, other data set, uh, Susanas particularly, whether or not they have they 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 they, uh, they have. Uh, other SIM card uh, or cell, uh, SIM card cell phones, uh, Swanek closet, and number room in the household. And again, I think the the results from the result from the, the study confirmed that we don't find the that the, the PMT equation actually distort uh, the behavior of the the investment behavior of the households. So from these two two study, there's other one or uh, there are at least uh, one study that actually that that actually related with UDB, but but uh, I didn't put here because of time. But from these two uh, two studies, how we how we use the evidence generated by two studies to to build and to improve the unified database. One, we stick with the with with the proxy mean related question because there's no other way actually to collect. The information that can proxy that can indicate the, the welfare status of the poor and the vulnerable uh, household in Indonesia. But it's not just proxy, just not, not relying on the proxy mean test. We look also on the when when we form actually the prelist. So we do we, we conduct the what we call as the forum consultasi public. So basically community consultation forums where we get actually the the feedback the input from the from the communities, which one they, uh, which household they're still excluded, which household that you think is actually based on the local definition is poor and so on, and we put it in the in the prelist, and that's the prelist that going to be used uh, as a final prelist for the BPS actually to to enumerate the households, and last not but the least because addressing actually the error around the poverty thresholds, we go with the bottom forty percent. By the time that a unified database was built in 2011, poverty rate is around 14%. And so I think when we when we go around, the, we look at the Susanas distribution and we look uh, that uh, vulnerability actually around like 40% something. So going around, going like covering 40% is actually will address that that uh, error around that, that poverty thresholds. Now let let me move to the second. Uh, case study. So this is uh, the the case study when we reform. Uh, well, not so reform, but we we do a quick actually the designs of the financial assistance for the poor students. Uh, what we call a bantuan siswa miskin. The situation that we face before the reforms is the fact that the program have very low very low take up. So the the school age children that. Uh, the target is like a bottom, uh, the bottom three decimals. So not everyone, if in fact, probably majority of the school age children in the bottom three, uh, bottom three decimals is actually not getting the programs, and the very huge program benefits actually leakage to the to the non uh, non targeted uh, beneficiaries. And on the other hand, we look also we concern about the drop, the enrollment drop across the. Uh, education level six to seven nine to ten and so on 
So we think that how to make actually the program like BSM, financial school, uh, financial support to the poor students is actually more effective. So this is uh, uh, the programs that uh, the, 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 the left one or the right from, from your side is the current, is the, is the, is the uh, mechanisms that uh, existing before the, the reforms. So the school will select the beneficiaries among the <laughs> students that uh, attend the schools. And there's two problems with that. One, the school actually not really, principal teachers actually not really trained actually to select or to, to have standard, to, Im to implement the standards of uh, eligibility. Second, poor uh, uh, children, uh, school age children from poor household, vulnerable household, many of them, they're not in school. So that's the reason that explains that uh, why actually many uh, uh, school age children from the bottom three DSLs actually not getting the programs. So what we did in the 2013 is try to uh, uh, utilizing the, the, the uh, unified database. So we generate the, the potential beneficiary of the program through the unified database. So the, the one on the left is the new TWIC uh, program design. So we generate the evidence, uh, the, pro, uh, the potential beneficiary from the unified database, and then we inform the, that, that household, that students actually, that you're eligible for the programs, and should you come to the school, register, then you will get the benefits. So, uh, so the school still do their job actually, but not selecting anymore, not selecting the students, but they're, they're, they're collecting the, the names from the, those that bring the cards, the, the information, the letter from the government, and then they, they send actually to the district province and then, then central. So this is what we, what we piloted. So we, we start with a small pilot and we think about the, doing the RDD design because we know from the unified database like the threshold. So we come with the like 7%, so we look at the population or the sample right on the left of the on the left of the, the threshold and on the right of the threshold but the government seemed not patient with that uh, waiting for the results so he they decided actually to okay this is seems good design so let's go actually implement nationwide so we lost actually our our control so we need to change actually the the evaluation design we, we still go with the evaluation and we look with one with, with Susanas that uh, implementation of the programs is actually associated with the reduction of the uh, improvement of the targeting performance uh, comparing between 2009 and 2013 after the implementation. So both primary school and middle school, the targeting performance of the programs is actually increased significantly. And also the, that, that uh, reform is actually associated with the targeting, uh, the reduction of targeting errors. And we still conduct, despite of that change, because government expansion, we still be able to conduct the, the evaluation, the impact evaluation, using like a before and after and, and then uh, inverse probability weighting regression average. And we found that, the, that, and we changed a bit actually the evaluation equation, we looked at the, uh, the effect, the impact of that informing the students uh, the potential beneficiary before the exam, before the registration due date, whether or not that will increase actually their enrollment to the seventh grade. And we found actually the significant impact 
between 6 to 6 and 7.3 which is actually comparable and slightly even slightly higher than international uh, international uh, findings uh, from the same uh, sort of uh, similar programs and this is also consistent with the with the with what we look actually at the susanas there's some drops in the some drops in the or some increase actually in the enrollment between 6 to 7 and then 10 to 10 to uh, 9 to 10 which we think is actually partly at least contributed by the by this uh, reform the last uh, case studies is uh, actually we evaluate the long term impact of the our ccd program and uh, we many of you probably look at the impact of the ccd programs uh, published or unpublished uh, and there there's some uh, the, the program is actually the ccd program actually have some short term Uh, impact uh, uh, whether the, or not uh, they, they increase actual consumption level, improve the health, the education, and so on. Uh, in Indonesia too, we did the, that that short-term evaluation in 2009, 2010. We found actually some mixed results, but rarely actually we 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 saw the the evaluation that looked the long-term impact of the programs. So we look at the. We will we, we, we look actually the the uh, the opportunity the window of opportunity for us is actually to evaluate the longer term accumulative impact of the PKH in Indonesia, and this is actually relevant because from our previous study from our previous evaluation we found mixed result and we wonder actually why actually some expected outcome didn't happen in the in the in the short term evaluation, and that's probably. Right, that what what Santiago de Levi put uh, the way that uh, shifting good health as well education actually will take time because it's cumulative process, and then definitely we need more uh, longer time. So and we saw that uh, the opportunity because after six years, while there's some control already been converted to the to the treat uh, as a treatment, but we still have significant number of control that remain a control, and this is what we. What we uh, utilize and, and and push for another evaluation, and this is what we what we found from the longer term from the second evaluation, looking at the cumulative investment of the PKH after six years. So one is a large reduction in the stunting, which is I think a contribution for the for the Indonesia. Indonesia is very stagnant despite its uh, uh, advancing advanced economic development, but. Uh, In in terms of stunting, it's very it's very stagnant in the last two decades. Uh, so program like PKH, if properly implemented, properly designed, I think will 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 contribute significantly to the reduction of stunting and also increase on high school uh, completion rate uh, and no increase in but on the other hand no increase in which uh, in which employment. So how we how we use this evidence actually to improve PKH? One, we look so. Other than that evaluation, we also we also complement with other evaluation, and we saw that that it's important for PKH to increase the program benefit because some actually positive uh, significant impact actually not really big, relatively big, and we we think that after six years stagnant benefit, I think it's time to 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 increase the benefit. Second, it's important to strengthening program conditionality as well as because PKH is CCT also. In, uh, strengthening implementation capacity organization. I think Bu Fifi mentioned about expansion, 
And without strengthening the capacity of the organization, I think we will look actually the declining of the uh, potential impact of the PKH and improving coordination because uh, PKH utilize actually other sectors, health and education, which is managed by different ministries. And to close uh, my presentation, so some lesson from uh, what we've been doing in the last 10 years. I think it's, I think we're, we're quite happy with the results of what we achieved by now. And we, we appreciate actually the, the collaboration from different uh, long-term collaboration with different external parties, uh, researchers, universities, and so on. And we think that this is this is important strategy actually also to conduct uh, uh, upfront because again, it's not the it's not a single party to do to do the solid uh, 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 evidence uh, to 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 be generated. There are many things to 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 be done piloting, uh, evaluation, and so on. But also, the collaboration need to go beyond the uh, providing the or generating the evidence. Government has also need, in some way, they have the evidence, but they're not able actually to uh, advocate, to formulate it into policy. So I think the, the collaboration also need to, to, take, to go to that part, helping the government to formulate into policy, from evidence to policy and even advocated to different stakeholders, non-government actors, and so on. So I think that ends my presentation. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Pak Evan, for um, describing the experience of TNP Duaka in creating evidence, uh, creating evidence for uh, supporting policy related to poverty alleviation. Uh, our third presenter it will be Bulina from JPAL Southeast Asia, um, presenting her experience in uh, supporting uh, government program. Thank you. Uh, I'm actually very excited to be here. And then uh, as Ibu Fifi already mentioned, like how anti-poverty program has continued within the past year and there are still growing challenges. Uh, and Pa Elan has actually shown some evidence about like um, to help us understand how to improve the program. So in the next uh, 10 to 15 minutes, like I want to actually share with you like what do we do with this evidence to better inform policy and then uh, to make actual impacts of the lives of the people. So there are two things that I want to mention here. The first one is actually introducing about the JPAL, what we do, our core activity, like to collaborate with the stakeholders like uh, to actually inform the policy and the second one is actually uh, to sh showcase you one of our case study how to uh, improve the one of the biggest Indonesia social protection program uh, using the evidence. So Abdul Latif Jameh Poverty Action Lab or what we call uh, JPAL is actually a global research network founded in MIT back in 2003 like to work on reducing poverty by making sure that policy is informed by uh, scientific evidence. And then so we have seven regional office and uh, we done like more than 900 um, evaluation. So in Southeast Asia region, we are based in Jakarta since 2013 under the University of Indonesia. And also in this uh, occasion, I would like to, uh, to acknowledge the support from the Australian government, not only for the, fund, uh, the funding, but also like to help us think about like how we should grow 
and achieve like the goals to improve the policy making uh, in Indonesia. And so the first thing that I want to to mention is like about like our core uh, activities, like how JPA like the use of evidence into inform the decision making. And so the first thing that we do is actually we want to support the generation of evidence. How to do this one is like. There are several things that we do. The first thing is like we build the long-term relationship. Like we have like the collaboration with Bapenas, the collaboration with TNP2K, and then also the collaboration with other partners. So we are based in Jakarta to build the more like long-term partnership. And then we try to identify their needs. Uh, and then we want to match making with the needs and then with the researcher because like we are academic and we are using theory. And with this one, it's like we we run a randomized uh, evaluation as our um, method is actually just like to simplify our mission. Uh, like some, as Pa Ellen mentioned, like not everything can be randomized, but if it can be randomized, it's powerful tool. So what is randomized evaluation? Randomized evaluation is like you want to have like two group of people like where's the treatment and the control and then because of the method you are sure that when you want to see the impact the, the impact is because of the program itself not because of everything else but as i mentioned not everything can be solved by randomized evaluation many many things cannot be randomized but if it does and it do it like improperly and in good timing it's actually a powerful tool and then so this is the way that we generate evidence. But generating evidence is not enough. So generating evidence is only like one way we are doing. But then the, it's not enough like because like we want the evidence to in, translate into policy and policy translate into action. And then some, this is like how we do in JPAL. We try to disseminate evidence and to catalyze the use because we want to translate from the journal academics into the uh, briefcase or like the, um, the things that we want to support. So there are two things that uh, we do usually. First thing is like through like, um, like policy conference, like we disseminate uh, our result and then also like one-on-one -on -one meeting. And the second thing is like we have the, the briefcase or the cost-effective analysis. This is like how we translate the evidence into the policy but what we do is only informing policy like policy making as you can ask Bufifi or Paelan is totally different area it's like what we can is only like informing the policy and throughout the process like we also do the capacity building because like we want not the only one who actually doing this one but we want also like our stakeholder can do together with us so how we do the policy the capacity building is like we have like uh, the training, like the randomized evaluation training, and then we also have the internal capacity, like we are hiring the postdoc of Indonesian to actually build their capacity to do the randomized evaluation. And then there is also like the online training that you can access is the JPAL 101 is about randomized evaluation. And then also like together JPAL with MIT, we have the micro master in data and development that you can access. So all this one, as uh, it's been also like said by Ibu Fifi and Pa Elan, is everything like 
If we want to inform policy, the main keyword is actually collaboration. It's like we cannot do it that this one by ourselves. And some this is like what JPAL do. And the second thing that I want to actually showcase to you is actually one of our studies in uh, for the Raskin reform that we are working together with the TNP2K and BAPNAS uh, using the evidence. And some Raskin, if you are not familiar, it stands for the Rise for the Poor. It's like one of the largest Indonesian social protection program started in 1998 as the social assistant for the for the poor to give them the rice, 15 kilograms of rice uh, with the subsidies price. But unfortunately, like as Pael and, and Bufifi mentioned in the beginning, is actually many like mistargeting. The poor only receive one third of it's supposed to be uh, the subsidy. And so one of the possible solution at that time, like the per, people, like the staff, like from the Tenpe2K, Pak Elan, and then Pak Dano actually suggest to the vice president, the Budiono at that time, like how about like if we improve the transparency using a Raskin card. And then Pak Budiono at that time said that many, many things can go wrong with this one. So he wants an evidence. Like, is it true that the Raskin card is actually improved the transparency? So we done this uh, study together with uh, Bapenas and Tenpe2K in 572 villages. Like some villages get the Raskin card and some villages didn't get the Raskin card. And as the result, so this is like cutting short like the whole thing, it's actually like uh, giving the Raskin card is improved the improve the subsidies like 26 percent the beneficiary actually receive the rice and then they uh pay with the lower thing and then some based on this evidence the government of indonesia scale it up to now is called like social protection card and with all the cards that ha they have uh, right now so this is like the new entry of the for the evidence that uh, they're scaling up to the cards that Indonesia have. And it's reaching like 15.5 million households and it's actually very cost effective uh, for the government of Indonesia, just like with providing this card. So one lesson that we can learn from this one is actually, even though the program has already been a long time, very large, um, and then it turns out information is still scarce. And then so just providing information, a very simple solution is actually can be effective. And so we are up to now, like we're still working with the government. It's not, so the Raskin card is like back in 2013. And so we also now working like government of Indonesia want to, to see whether there is the impact. Uh, they want to have the transition from the in-kind to the cash transfer. And so they want to know what is the impact of the cash transfer and we are still doing it and we are still waiting for the data. So once we have and then we will let you know. And so this is like uh, we we done this one for um, many, many years and and as like the concluding thought that is even though like I've been here like uh, working like so many years for this one, but one thing is for sure, there are many things there still like uh, need to be have like more collaboration, and then some it will be great uh, to actually have like more studies to be evaluated, and then actually we can translate the evidence into policy. Thank you.
Lina, uh, for describing GPAL experience in supporting Indonesian government. So now I move to the Q&A session. I would like to take three questions. So I will do one. Uh, anybody else? Uh, uh, John? Uh, so let me go first, Bu uh, Fifi and, and uh, Mas Elan. So I, I do agree that uh, poverty has been declining in Indonesia and that is true for all over Indonesia. But uh, I also see that the gap uh, between some area and the other area are persistent. Uh, what do you think that this is caused by our inability to be correctly defined people that should be in the unified data? So we might have the criteria bias toward a certain region, so then the other region who are actually needed do not get the support as much as the region need. Or it is about the implementation of the program that create this gap persistent. Uh, so the intensity of the program that needed to be in the area that is needed is not happening, has not been happening. Thank you. John? Uh, thanks for a very interesting set of papers. Um, Vivian, I was really interested to see you were talking about um, incorporating subjective and relative elements of um, definitions of poverty in how Bapanas or and the government thinks about poverty. Um, I'm just wondering whether you could elaborate on that. And can I also ask a quick question, building on your question? Um, uh, that was a very interesting presentation as well. I was just wondering whether, um, whether you've done evaluations uh, of errors in the targeting, um, and whether they agree with or um, contradict what Stephen Kidd ha has concluded around the accuracy of targeting. And are there any, do you think there are any ways out of this problem? Good. Acho? Yes, thank you. Uh, I'm sorry, this is not really in the scope of your presentation, but if you can, can you bring uh, uh, us a bit about how to finance these uh, programs? Sounds all good and all these social programs and the poverty programs, but uh, we also know that the revenue side of the budget is really in dire situation and the government keeps giving out uh, tax holidays, tax breaks, and whatnot. Thank you for the question. Uh, also, can I respond to Pa Budi mentioned? Uh, first, better data is help, really helping us to determine who are the poor, meaning better targeting. Uh, the number of the poor is quite significant uh, and they are spread out all, of, uh, all of, over the country. So by having better data, we could uh, have a better targeting, but it just benefiting actually mainly to Java, which is 63% of the poor are uh, inhabitants uh, in the islands. The rest, they are scattered uh, in mountains, islands, uh, in many remote places. So uh, we could indicate who and where, but we're still struggling about uh, learning uh, the root uh, of the causes of the poverty there. So uh, we are still uh, trying a mechanism to approach them, be it from the facilitators or collaborating with sectors on to, to bring 
the programs mainly on the uh, basic services to approach them in islands like using drone in mobilizing the um, blood for example so many other things that uh, could come up with the innovation or technology that's the ones that we kind of like in, in this exploration defining the poverty itself now move forward that i mentioned not only an absolute one but also the relative and also the subjective the, the well-being uh, move forward from the um, move to, toward to the right based approach so many people now already talking about inclusive economy inclusive development inclusive and also village programs so many programs i mean in in, in terms of the uh, many infrastructure like uh, electric go electricity go to the uh, village smart village many many of them that are telling about how really approaching but again the implementation is still uh, a, a challenge uh, how to finance besides exercising more taxes and uh, make it more efficient or better allocation uh, we are also now also exploring other uh, source of fund including what we call as a social impact fund um, uh, make a use of the philanthropy uh, schemes in the context of uh, SDGs so ma many of the financing scheme now uh, the government engaging with other uh, private entities uh, not only in do domestic but also in, um, in, in, in global engagement thank you okay uh, well first uh, I agree that that while Indonesia actually managed to, to decrease its poverty rate and as, as you uh, uh, rightly observed that there's also persistence uh, a gap uh, in poverty rate across uh, regions, uh, province, and districts. Yeah. You said that uh, whether it's due to the inaccuracy of the data or the program, well, well first actually I understand that, uh, and that's that's what we said actually at the beginning, that multi poverty is actually multi-sectoral problem, multi-dimensional problems. In fact, at the first place is probably not due to all the programs or, or data, but uh, there's other uh, more fundamental roots of the of the poverty. And I think other than programs, so we need at the first place also need to look at the at the development strategy itself, yeah. more inclusive growth and so on. That's what we believe too, that uh, at the first place, the, the way actually we need to address the poverty is actually going to the to the direction of pushing more inclusive uh, economic growth, but to address your question actually on the one uh, on the data, and this is also related with uh, John's uh, question about the uh, error in the in in our uh, database. Yes, there is error, and and that that's I think what we found as well in in our evaluation. Uh, I think last time we evaluated, there's like a fifteen. 20% of the, the errors, and that, that's that's what we acknowledge uh, actually about, about the data. But one fact that uh, what we the way we deal with that, the way we address with that, one we we are now actually building 
what we call as a more dynamic uh, updating. Uh, I think prior, uh, at least up to 2015, the way that the unified database updated is only four or five years. Yeah, three or four, five, uh, three or four years. Uh, once in three or four years, and that's. I think the the right argument is the 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 first argument is because we're using assets and asset is not really changing uh, uh, often. So we look actually, and also there is a resource uh, uh, arguments that the only way we can do it actually in in the only we can do for updating is actually every three or four years because I think we did it since the beginning by asking the BPS to enumerate like a 30 million households. So we cannot definitely do every year. But there is also a problem with that. So welfare, particularly among the poor, among the bottom groups, has actually changed uh, quite often. And simple shock, uh, small shock, they, they, they can, can you know, deteriorate their, 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 uh, their welfare status. So since 2007, I think what we advocate to the Minister of Social Affairs, because now Unified Database is under their, uh, their uh, uh, domain. Uh, so we're, we're, we're advocating actually more dynamics updating, where people at the regions actually can uh, apply for their uh, inclusion if they feel that they're excluded. So they, they, can, be, they can apply actually for the inclusion uh, themselves in the database and then for that they can be entitled for the programs due depending on the on the ranking of this uh, of their uh, welfare and so if and if, if the pro if the database is you said that whether or not actually the database cannot uh, capture actually the difference in the in the across regions actually the way we model it the way we collect the information while we collect actually like a similar or uniform variables across regions, but the way we model it is actually based on each districts. So that, that's what, and, and the way we construct actually the PMT's, PMT score, actually applying different way, depending actually how each variables like, for example, bikes or uh, roof uh, of the housing, whether how their, how accurate actually they predict their welfare status in that district, in that particular district. So that's why while we use actually uniforms variables, PMT variables, but we, we apply actually different ways. So that's what we hope actually will address the difference in the in the poverty situation across the districts. And so again, I think we we agree to some extent actually with with uh, with uh, uh, Stephen observation that there, there is there is uh, there is uh, error but I think the way we, I think we, we, we disagree with the, with the, the way to address that. So I think for now for Indonesia, actually for next five or 10 years, I think the affordable, the available resource can only afford this targeting, but by improving actually the quality of the unified database and the quality of the implementation, because that's another things that to, to improve. We, we should agree, we should acknowledge that. I think many of the programs, many good programs. I mean, I re recall actually the the title of the uh, plans uh, preached uh, presentation. It's good intention, but we found actually the the state capability to implement the, the program is actually far from enough. And that's what we are, with, with, we argue with advocate actually to the different line minister to the VP. There is there is a there is a proposal actually to the MOF 
for expanding the programs using using the or picking the, the cherry actually only for the positive evidence without really looking actually at the issues uh, and they're proposing actually to expand the program but we think that this with don't, don't rush i mean the, we need to actually improve actually the capacity the organization of the the capability of the land ministries so indonesia i think we believe that indonesia still need still can only afford actually the targeting uh, anti-poverty programs because i mean that's actually bring to the actual uh, questions uh, because resource is actually very limited yeah how to address that well one is definitely ideally we, we should expand actually our tax base but that's quite challenging actually and i, I don't think this is a short-term work for indonesia but there is a window actually for short in, in short term that we can do which is reforming actually or reallocating the the uh, the subsidy so for many years indonesia has spent a lot in the energy subsidy and this is uh, fuel subsidy we have reformed it electricity subsidy and then uh, the lpg subsidy so that's what we are re working now uh, re reallocating actually the, the the subsidy reforming the subsidy the energy subsidy for for uh, from the price or the commodity subsidy to targeted to more targeted subsidy and second also consolidating across program in indonesia there's like 25 ministries have the program called social assistance so it's not just mosa and the, more than 200 trillion rupiah actually for all of this program so we try to consolidate of these programs uh, working with bapenas and then other land ministries thank you thank you lina you would like to you would like to provide comment no all right, so we still have uh, seven more minutes, so I would like to take two, uh, C, you, and uh, Alastair. So you go first, the woman. Yeah. Yes, um, so getting rid of subsidies usually causes a lot of uh, public um, resistance, especially a broad-ranging one, because they don't know what the information is. They're always talking about the price of kerosene. And um, so, do you think that was effective, getting the idea of transferring this target with subsidy better? Did that put uh, okay. a good uh, policy position? Thank you. Uh, here. Thank you. Uh, I would like to congratulate the presenters. Um, my question is this. In one of the presentations, you attributed the poverty reduction or associating it with natural disasters as major milestones, in fact. Uh, I'm curious, what is the scope and has there been progress to bring in the natural disaster relief assistance within the bracket of the unified database, for example? That constitutes yeah. a solution. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, I just wanted to uh, highlight some recent research which the audience might find interesting. It's just been done by Smeru. Uh, with Mark Kota on um, the potential to supplement the conditional crash transfers with um, small-scale economic opportunities uh, over the next few years to try to make these programs more sustainable. So it's a study that's just been done on the potential for these kinds of you know, support for small-scale enterprise, support for employment opportunities, um, it's done in for covered part, I mean, 
And I think it's quite important because I think it signals a move to supplement um, conditional cash transfer payments to beneficiaries too, with employment, education, training opportunities for not just the beneficiary but also for members of their household. And I think uh, I think that's one of the issues that is increasingly emerging is rather than the um, relying only on the payment of the conditional cash transfer, you need to see the development of the capacity of these families to develop livelihood opportunities. And uh, this study by Smero, which I'm sure it's all, it's in English and Bahasa Indonesia, has just been finished and uh, four uh, family recipients of Ikaha uh, program and Helen uh, was there last week as well. But I think that's very important work for the next few years to see uh, the point Archie was making about the financial sustainability of these programs, like the big programs like Ikaha. It's going to be very important over the next few years to, to see if we can develop those economic opportunities. So it's not so much a question, it's just really Thank to you. the audience who may not be aware of this important smeru research. Yeah. On the on the effectiveness of this uh, subsidy, there have been several uh, studies from studies from. Uh, the World Bank and others uh, that showed the effectiveness of the subsidy in terms of uh, improving the access of the poor uh, in, in which the subsidy goes to every segment of the community including us for example uh, the ones that may, may, may not be uh, have a right to, to get a low uh, cost of uh, fuel uh, the allocation the reallocation from the subsidy toward the social protection we 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 could having uh, expand the, the targets of the people and also the access so uh, it means we could expand the the, res, the resilience not only from the food health and education but also uh, others now we are moving uh, how to take care of the housing, the quality of the water and the sanitation. Uh, the natural disaster, uh, we are now starting to develop what we call as an adaptive social protection in which starting uh, better data and also know where they are and integrate with other uh, mitigation as well as uh, efforts to uh, in, in the response uh, context. So uh, the the, U, the UDB have been used in the time of crisis to expand the recipient. Uh, for example, in Palu, we also target the people who affected by the liqu liquefaction beyond the PKH. Uh, this data also uh, used by other programs and intervention, for example, from UNICEF and others to provide uh, cash transfers from other forms of assistance. Uh, Smeru uh, study uh, from Alison mentioned, yes, indeed, we understood that we need to expand toward more uh, economic opportunity. But again, the problem is in the implementation. There is a need to, to know about the, 
the asset that they have. The asset here not only in terms of the, the physical asset, but also in terms of the capability, the institutional setup, and so on. When we facilitate the people in the uh, fisherman uh, community, sometimes it's hard to make them in a group because many of them uh, prefer to work or produce something uh, individually rather in a group. So uh, by having this, transforming from the cash to the, the I mean, to the uh, from in kind to cash then to the, the the non-cash, we try to expand the capacity and the heavy, uh, the behavior for saving, improving their asset, and also uh, provide them with the training and coaching, and also uh, some uh, access to the capital. Okay, so I think just uh, just want to address the first question on the with regard of the public assistance on the. Uh, the subsidy, the energy subsidy reforms. Yes, there are always like uh, public resistance, uh, grievance, uh, complaint, and so on. Uh, I think, according to our experience, I think two key strategies that actually can handle uh, relatively well this uh, public resistance, and this is based on our experience uh, when we fail on the 2012 actually rejected our proposal actually to 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 uh, cut the fuel subsidy rejected by the government because the, the by the parliament because parliament is actually think that many there's many complain so what we did since then is actually two things one is uh, doing better on the communication public communication strategy we work with the university with the media and so on arguing that uh, this is a must because fiscal cannot afford and second, actually, we need to reallocate to the to the poor. We need to help more actually the poor, and by reallocating the subsidy. Second is actually having like a grievance mechanisms, so someone that excluded for any reasons actually can reapply for them getting actually that that subsidy. And these two key strategies actually relatively work well, even for this uh, most recent electric sub electric subsidy reform. Thank you. Uh, Bulina, you want to have a final word? Yes, no, I just want to uh, answer on the subsidy. I think like based on uh, our experience, it's like information is like very important. So then for the uh, community to know that their rights to the social assistance is uh, actually one of the effective uh, method to, to actually handle, to get the, the outcome that it needs. Yeah, thank you. Uh, our time is up. Uh, please join me to thank the panelists. You have been listening to Dev Policy Talks, a podcast by the Development Policy Centre at the Australian National University. To find out more about Dev Policy and our work on Australian aid, PNG in the Pacific and global development policy, visit our website devpolicy.anu.edu.au or check out our blog at devpolicy.org where you can subscribe to our daily posts, various newsletters and this podcast. You can also connect with us on social media. And thanks for listening.